Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kate Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Uh, we are doing some Browns questions today. We're each going to come up with a question, and we'll all try and answer it. Uh, so, Mary Kay, what have you got for us? Well, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot uh, in the wake of all of the free agency period and the draft. You know, where do the Browns stand right now? In the AFC North, if we were ranking AFC North teams, where would we put the Cleveland Browns roster right at this moment? And I think it's a little bit tough to answer because um, on paper, you know, they look really, really good. Um, But of course, you have to, uh, you know, you have to take into account the time that a team has been together and coaching and all different kinds of things. So this question really isn't necessarily, you know, where will the Browns finish in the AFC North, but just where do they rank right now, just in terms of talent on their roster heading into training camp? Wow. Mary Kay bringing the the big guns out here for the first question. Where, where does this roster rank among the rest of the North? I, I mean, it's got to be, it's at least on par, right? Whatever roster you think is the best roster the on paper, this roster has to at least be on par with it. Uh, you know, we just, we talked about positions the other day, Mary Kay about receiver, right? Like the Bengals, the Bengals have the best receivers in the AFC North. Um, but like, okay, the Browns probably have the best defensive line. And then you go, I I'm not sure who all I would say has the best secondary, but the Browns have to be up there in that regards. I would think they're right on par with Cincinnati from a roster standpoint. If I think Cincinnati has the best overall roster in the AFC North, and I, I think I feel that way, I don't think the Browns are far behind. I think on paper, they're on par with the Bengals. Yeah, I think I was thinking when this question was first initially posed, my first thought was the Bengals. And then I'm like, yeah, the Browns, I kind of agree with Dan, like they're not far behind. And I think the key here is it's just all on paper. Like, and I think the Browns have been the last few years, been champions at things looking really good on paper. It's now a matter of, okay, does the roster actually translate to things on the field? But like, I also think so much of it, if you're trying to figure out where you rank them, what makes it hard for me is like the positional value of quarterback and just like wondering what, 
Deshaun Watson's going to look like in his first full year back and his first full year in Cleveland and what that's going to mean. Like they could potentially jump the Bengals if that's a best case scenario and he looks really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would definitely have them top two, but the caveat of course being it's all on paper right now. Yeah. Mary Kay, where would you, I'm curious what your answer to this is. You know what? I'm telling you right now. I mean, like, I almost think you could make a case. Again, we don't know um, where Deshaun Watson is going to rank this year in terms of uh, his ability and his talent. Um, But you could almost make a a case that the Browns are the most talented roster in the AFC North right now. Uh, They, they, across the board, when you look at every single position now, uh, I think you can make a case so, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I might, I would probably still put the Bengals first just because of course, uh, once again, with Joe Burrow and knowing what he's capable of right now. But uh, I think the Browns are a pretty close second. Uh, you know, when you rank all of these position groups and you think of all the talent that they have uh, at every one of them, I, I think that, you know, they can give the Bengals a run for their money on paper at this point. Yeah, I think that's the key. We'll all we'll all just make that. Does Ashley made it? Mary Kay, you made you made it. We'll all make that discount. This is strictly on paper. Like we've seen this over and over again. When you put this on the field, it's just different. It's not always about the most talented team. There's there's a lot more that goes into it. There's been years when, like the Chargers, you can make the case for the most talented team in the league, and it never translated to them winning a Super Bowl or or something like that. So th- this is on paper in May, but. You know, for anybody out there that's like, no, you guys are crazy. I mean, again, let's just look at wide receiver, right? Jamar Chase is the best receiver in the AFC North. But like, where is Amari Cooper in those rankings? Is he third? Is he fifth? I mean, like he's up there. If we were to sit here and and draft all the wide receivers in the AFC North, Miles Garrett, you know, it's him or TJ Watt are the, the best edge rushers in the division. Like there's... There are certain players that you can, Nick Chubb is the best running back in the division. There's players you can sit here and cherry pick and say, this player is one of, if not the best players in the division at his position in the AFC North. So I don't think it's crazy, Ashley, to sit here and say that the Browns on paper are on par with the rest of the division, if if not better in some areas. Yeah, I don't either. And I know on one of the hand K pods this week, you guys were doing that brief discussion about like ranking position groups across the AFC North off of the one question. And I think you made a good point in that episode, Dan, that like to have the best roster, it's like you only really need to be like the quote unquote best in a couple of these position groups. Right. And like already for the Browns, I don't think it's much of an argument. Like they probably got the best line in the division, the offensive line in the division. They probably have the best defensive line in the division now. And they arguably have the best running back room in the division still, even though it's not quite as deep as it has been in recent years past. So like I said, I mean, I definitely just think like the on paper aspect of it, it's now just about looking at what is this actually going to look like on the field? What is the system going to look like both on defense and on offense now? Um, And answering those questions, like it's about those X factor things now, because on paper, they have the, the roster, I think that is an all in kind of roster. So Mary Kay, I mean, what, what do you think is the difference when, when you look, is it, is it as basic as Deshaun Watson needs to be as good as Joe Burrow or as good as Lamar Jackson can be at his best? Does it really just kind of come down to that? Or is there, 
some sort of secret sauce the Browns have been missing because they've had talented rosters the last few years. Well, I do think it comes down to Deshaun Watson and proving that he is still up there uh, with a Joe Burrow and a Lamar and some of these other quarterbacks. Um, But I also think it's going to come down to the receiving core. And, you know, it's going to take a little while uh, to match up to Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Uh, So I think it's that too. I think, you know, they have the potential. They certainly have the potential to be a really, really good receiving core now, but they also have to go out and prove it. Elijah Moore is coming off of a season where he kind of, you know, stepped back a little bit. So he's got to step it back up and build on what he had going before. And Donovan Peoples-Jones has got to continue to build on what he's been able to do. So uh, I do think that, you know, they're a little bit behind in that regard at this point too yeah i would also say the top of the roster is really where the browns stack up but you know when you talk about the receivers mary Kay, that is where you start to get it right we know what amari cooper is and we've seen we saw what donovan peoples jones did last year is that his ceiling or is there more there did the browns find a guy in elijah moore that just needs better quarterback play or is are there some limitations there that are going to keep him from being like a, a number two or number three guy. Like we know the Bengals, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd. We know exactly what those guys are going to do. That's one of the best wide receiving cores in the league. Um, and there's other areas on the Browns where the top end talent is really good. But then there's some questions when you get beyond some of that top end talent. So may- maybe that's part of the difference. If we start going one through 53, maybe we find that like the Ravens or the Steelers or the Bengals just kind of have a better one through 53 than the Browns, but the Browns top end talent, Ashley can at least hang with some of the top end talent in the rest of the division. Right. And I think that matters for something in this particular discussion. Like, again, they do have several guys that you can point to and be like, okay, this guy is probably the best or at least in the running to be the best um, in the division at his position group. So I think that's key. It looked like this has been a long process, obviously, for them to get to this point. But I mean, yeah, to me, so much of it still depends on like what this is ultimately going to look like has to do with what Deshaun Watson is going to look like. And it has to do with how this Jim Schwartz defense is going to work. But I think like Deshaun Watson is the hinge that this all swings on for the future, because this was the big move. This was the all in move. You made it despite all the controversy that surrounded him, because you think this is the guy that is standing between you and a Super Bowl. And I just think that's why to me, it's like, that's still like the hang up when we're talking about ranking these, because it is still somewhat of an unknown, right? Yeah. And I think the secondary too, is a good example of this. Like I, I would take my chances with a secondary that features, features Denzel Ward and Juan Thornhill and Grant Delpit, Greg Newsom, Martin Emerson. But there are some names on that list that still have some development to do, which is fine. You know, I, I think Greg Newsom is still a good player. I think Martin Emerson has a lot of potential. I think Grant Delpit has potential in Jim Schwartz's defense. So I think some of it is, you know, Mary Kay, we just kind of, we haven't seen it, whether it's because of injury or development or guys just young and hasn't played a lot. Like there's just still some guys that have some things to prove on this team. Yeah, that's very, very true. And, you know, I do think that the secondary has a chance to be right up there amongst the best in the NFL. And we do know that the Bengals lost some, really, really good safeties and secondary players, um, and whereas the Browns added some. And, uh, you know, so it's it's hard to say where it's all going to shake out in the end. Um, but, you know, when you look at Miles Garrett, 
and now Zadarius Smith and, you know, and you look at, at Oboe and Dalvin Tomlinson, I mean, that defensive line is going to wreak some havoc. It really is. It's going to make it really difficult for, for Joe Burrow. I mean, and the Bengals, I mean, let's remember, we've been talking about this, uh, have lost eight of their last 10 already to the Cleveland Browns. This is before they acquired 13 new players on defense, right? I mean, they were already matching up really, really well against the Cincinnati Bengals. So this is going to be one heck of an interesting season uh, to see where this goes. And you know that uh, Deshaun Watson is going to be ready to hit the ground running this year. He wasn't really 100% obviously ready last year, didn't go the way that he wanted it to. And uh, he's got so much to prove this year. Yeah. And of course, we'll find out very quickly once that schedule starts how <laughs> this team stacks up with these division teams because they play so many of those games early okay i'm gonna keep the hype train rolling here with my question um so I, I went back and looked and you might remember in 2019 the browns somehow despite how abysmal that season was the browns had 2,000 yard receivers jarvis landry had 1174 yards and then odell beckham jr got to 1,035 yards. Some people might remember he caught the pass that put him over a thousand yards and ran to the sideline and sat down and um, had a, had like a stomach bug. He was in bad shape, but he managed to to get to his thousand yards that year uh, in that, in that Freddie kitchens finale. So my question is with the revamp passing attack with the receiving core that we've talked about, that includes Amari Cooper, Donovan peoples, Jones, Elijah Moore, how many thousand yard receivers will the Browns have in 2023? And of course there's one extra game this than, than there was back in 2019. Um, so how many thousand yard receivers? If I, like if I put it at one and a half, Mary Kay, is that like an easy over? Like, yeah, of course they're going to have two or could it be more spread out where maybe it's like Amari gets there, but it's more spread out between Elijah and DPJ and David and Joku. And maybe they're just, there's more receivers because I'll also add when you look at the, the receiving leaders from that season, it goes Jarvis Odell and then Kareem Hunt was third in yards at 285. So there's a huge drop off from two to three that season. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't Deshaun Watson. Of that course. was not Deshaun, it was Baker Mayfield, yes. Baker Mayfield. Um, so, yeah, I think Deshaun Watson. Now, let's remember, the last time he was himself, the last time we saw him play a full season, he threw for a league-leading 4,800-some yards. So I am going to say that there will be at least two 1,000-yard uh, receivers on this football team. I think Amari will be one of them. I think Elijah Moore will be another one of them. Uh, and I think that David Njoku could come close to being one of them as well. And, you know, he might get there too. So I'm going to say two plus. I, I think it's definitely going to be two and maybe more. Okay, so you mentioned that 2020 Texans team. And I wanted to go back and, and just for context, uh, look at what the receivers were there. So Brandon Cooks led the way with 1,150 yards. Will Fuller had 879, but that was in 11 games, uh, by the way. Randall Cobb had, and then you had like three guys eclipse 400 yards. So it was a little more spread out, but, you know, actually Will Fuller probably would have gotten to 1,000. Had Was that the year he got suspended? Maybe, I can't remember, but he only played 11 games. So he probably would have gotten to 1,000. So there would have been two that year in Houston. Do you like the over at one and a half? 
this is tough. I did, as Mary Kay was laying out her case there, I did the same thing you did and pulled up the stats from that 2020 Texans team to see what it looked like. I think like with the context that Will Fuller played in, you know, those missed those six games or whatever it was. Um, and I looked it up. Yeah. He was suspended in November of 2020 was when they announced that it looks like um, if he had played a full season, I think he would have got there. So I'm going to take the over on one and a half. Like I think somebody is going to emerge besides Amari Cooper in that way. And yeah, I mean, I think the Texans stats from that year show that compared to when the Browns had multiple 100, 1000 yard receivers the last time, it was was a bit more spread out. Like you said, there were three guys in that 400-yard range um, after the top two. So I do think there is a way for both things to be true. Like it is more spread out and there is a gap, but I don't think it will be as wide as it was when Baker Mayfield had two receivers catch that uh, many passes for that many yards. Mary Kay, I thought it was interesting that the second receiver you mentioned after Amari was Elijah Moore. If like if you had to pick two, would it be, do you think he's more likely than Donovan Peoples Jones to to get to that thousand yard mark? You know, I kind of think so. I I don't know if if it will end up working out that way. He's got to develop that chemistry uh, with Deshaun Watson, but I think that they you know put him onto this football team and made this trade sort of to be that guy. Um, and I I think he I think they feel that he has you know, the twitchiness and the, uh, you know, the skill set that will really complement all the things that Deshaun can really do. I think he's going to get a lot of targets. I think he can play inside, he can play outside. Um, so yeah, I do see him getting the ball a lot. And, and I think that he can actually go out and pull this off. So the case I would make for there only being one would be that it feels like this offense might really encourage Deshaun to really spread the ball around the in Kevin's offense. That's, that's really what, you know, you want a bunch of catch and run guys. So you could have a situation where like Amari is kind of your downfield threat. And then, you know, more is a catch and run guy. Marquise Goodwin, you know, is a catch and run guy, Cedric Tillman, a little more of a jump ball, you know, go up and get it sort of guy, but maybe he's more of a red zone target than a, than a deep threat. Um, I, I just wonder if we're going to end up with like Amari Cooper at 1200 yards and then like, two receivers over 800 another like another two at like four or 500 yards if it's just going to be more spread out um then then maybe just two or three guys kind of getting the bulk of the targets I mean it could be it could end up that way we don't really know exactly what Kevin Stefanski uh has in mind and I know that uh they really preach you know team first and it doesn't matter who gets the ball it doesn't matter how many catches you get and, you know, in that regard, I know they're going to use their tight ends a lot. They're going to use Jordan Akins a lot. They're going to use David Njoku a ton. Uh, so they might have a situation where they are spreading it out so much that it is hard to get to that 1,000. But if Deshaun is what Deshaun was, then you're going to have to have, you're going to have two guys with 1,000 yards. It does. It does feel that way, Ashley. Like with 17 games and Deshaun throwing the, like if he throws for, if he surpasses 4,000 yards, which he should, if he's Deshaun Watson, that should be the expectation. I would think that, you know, there's at least two guys that are going to really benefit from that. Yeah. That's again, I just kind of keep going back to what 2020 looked like in Houston. And I think 2020 Deshaun is like the, the phrase that gets used a lot. Like, is he going to be able to return to that form? And again, he's a big 
big part of whether or not this is going to actually happen. But I do think even with it being spread out, there are still going to be like the favorite targets that emerge and guys who can make big plays downfield in the receiving core in the pass catching core, I should say. Um, so I can still see it being that combination. Like I think the stats would look more like 2020 Houston and having a handful of guys in like that four to 500 range and then your top two. And yeah, maybe Amari gets like close to 1200 yards, but Donovan or Elijah Moore kind of sneaks in there. Um, and the argument I would make for Donovan is he got pretty close last year, 839 yards on PFF. Um, and Deshaun seems to really like throwing to him. And again, maybe that'll change. Like, I mean, I think they have like kind of a natural early chemistry here, but maybe just in the sense that they've added new pieces, like maybe that's going to become, you know, the new favorite options for him to look for. But I think my first initial thought was it would probably be Elijah, but I could see it also being Donovan. Okay, I've got some names for you here. Just this is a trip down memory lane. 2019, uh, Jarvis Landry, Odo Beckham went over a thousand. Kareem Hunt was third. At 285, Nick Chubb was fourth at 278. Remember, that was the year Kareem Hunt only played eight games, too, by the way. Fifth, here's here we go. Ricky Seals Jones. Sixth was Damian Ratley. Seventh was Demetrius Harris. I don't even remember a guy named Demetrius Harris, but there he was. Uh Dontrell Hilliard. And our buddy Antonio Callaway also uh clocked in 89 yards in four games that season. So um a nice little trip down the 2019 memory lane there for everyone. Uh, I mean, Mary Kay, do you remember Ricky Seals Jones? Uh, barely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, barely. I do. You know, I do remember all of those names uh, and all of those guys a little bit, but, you know, starting to be a distant memory and, and they're fading fast. That's for sure. There's so many guys through here. I mean, it's unbelievable when you think of the fact that, I mean, just on defense alone, I remember, you know, heading into that 2021 season and realizing that there were nine new starters on defense. And now they've just added 13 more, uh, you know, players on defense alone. The turnover on this team has just been mind boggling over these last, you know, well, many years, but you know, it's it's just amazing to, you know, to look and see that there just hasn't been that continuity whatsoever. And that we're talking about guys by the name of Ricky Seals Jones. <laughs> I, I mean, for everyone who was who was listening to that first question and saying, how can you say this team is as talented as this? just just remember those names from 2019 when we were all trying to talk ourselves into Antonio Callaway and whoever else. Um just just remember where this roster was back then to, to where it's come to now. All right, we're going to take a break because I think everyone needs to take a break after thinking of some of those players. And Ashley will give us our final question here. And welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, American Cabot, Ashley Bastock. All right, Ashley, what do you have for us? Yeah, so this is kind of a follow-up to yesterday's podcast when we drafted the new defensive acquisitions, but I'm going to make this question slightly broader, I guess, and we touched on this a little bit, but I'm wondering if there are any guys who you think, given what we know about Jim Schwartz's scheme, might kind of be people who jump out that 
we're or fans are maybe not expecting initially. And these could be new acquisitions or guys who are already on the roster. Like if you want to make the case for why Tony Fields, which is perfect for a Jim Schwartz scheme, go ahead. Just the first guy that comes to mind. But I do think there are some interesting names here who I feel like there are those guys every year that maybe kind of surprise us. And with this new defense, I'm wondering um, who that might be. So not like a Miles Garrett then. No, you cannot say Miles okay. Garrett. You cannot say the heavy hitters. Um, I have a, I have a couple names in my Americans. Do you have anybody? Um, I I really haven't thought of anybody yet. Um, that you know that isn't sort of, you know, like a little bit obvious. But so you, I mean, Dan, if you have someone, you go. So I don't know if this if this one counts. Maybe it's too prominent, but I feel like this is a guy that would thrive at linebacker in this scheme. And that's Taki Taki. Mm-hmm. Is I that too? Counts. Okay. I think he counts. Because I just feel like yeah. the way he plays kind of just downhill and what he showed us last year, um, you know, really positive signs last year. I think he's a guy that if all he has to do is run downhill and clean up the messes that the defensive line creates, I, th- I think he could really thrive in a role like that you know i don't know when he's going to be back i don't know when he's going to be able to go full speed but um he's he's a guy that that jumped into my mind mary Kay. yeah i mean the thing about sioni and again he's coming off of a torn acl and it, it happens sort of late so he might need a little time to round back into shape and really become himself but he's come into his game over the last couple of years he really has especially last year uh, he's a really good run defender. He's a smart player and the game has slowed down for him and he really understands the game and uh, he knows where to be and and he's just super solid. So I do see him as someone um, that can excel in this defense and and someone that can really sort of pop. Ashley, who did, did you have somebody in mind for this? Yeah, Taki was actually one of the guys I was thinking of when when this question came up. But I think another guy is somebody who I did touch on yesterday, but I think like a guy like Maurice Hurst, if he can stay healthy, I think not only would he make the roster, but he could really contribute because again, he's a really good interior pass rusher. I think Jim Schwartz kind of loves that style of thing. Like I think Siaki Ika to me is like another one, but maybe a bit more obvious, right? Because he's like a draft pick and, and all that stuff. But I think, again, that revamped center of the defensive line, um, I think some of these guys who you think is the like the the rest of them that they've brought in who aren't the Dalvin Tomlinsons or the Siaki Ikas, he's one to me that just kind of I keep coming back to and I'm like, that could be interesting if he can stay healthy. Like this could be a kind of career resurgence type year for him in this scheme. All right, Mary Kay, did you think of anybody? Yeah, you know what? I am going to say Grant Delpit. I think that that Grant is someone, uh, you know, we've kind of been waiting for Grant. When they first drafted Grant Delpit, uh, they had such high hopes for him. He was so versatile. Uh, you know, he had some he had ball hawking skills. Uh, he had blitzing skills, coverage, tackling, you know, you name it. They were so, so very excited about Grant Delpit. And then he ruptured his Achilles and. Uh, that's a very tough injury to come back from. And so I think we're, we've still been waiting to see the real Grant Delpit emerge. So now that he is another season out from that injury, uh, I think this is an opportunity for him to really shine in this defense. And I think that, you know, Jim Schwartz will take 
full advantage of, of his versatility and do a lot of different things with him. And I, I, I think he's someone that could realize his potential under Jim Schwartz. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Um, I think it's interesting. So we picked a linebacker, we picked a safety, we picked a defensive tackle um, as, as those kind of our options here to thrive under Jim Schwartz. I was thinking, I don't know if this is too obvious of one, but like Greg Newsom playing nickel again, like, Mm-hmm. It seems like sort of the narrative surrounding that is playing nickel and Jim Schwartz's scheme is different than it was last year, which feels to me like maybe that was part of the conversation that was had with Greg Newsom at some point. Like, I know you hate this, but it's not going to be the same as, as what you're used to. So, Ashley, maybe Greg Newsom playing nickel is is going to be a, a positive development here. Yeah, I was just thinking that because like we're not really like I, I would say no one is really talking about extensively the defensive backs right I don't think fans are necessarily thinking of that because it's position group they were in a relatively good spot in but I think why I like the Grant Delpit answer too so much is this offseason we spent so much time talking about you know the new additions at safety right like the Juan Thornhills um, Rodney McLeod and what they're going to mean for this scheme but I think Grant is another great answer and Greg Again, this is a guy who doesn't have a takeaway yet, doesn't have his first career interception. So I think like you look at what Jim Schwartz's scheme could do, maybe Greg gets a chance to jump out in that way. And we're not thinking about that really. So um, it's definitely, definitely going to be interesting, but yes, it does sound like the responsibilities are a lot different. All right. You guys thought I was joking before I hit record, but before we go here, we are doing a preseason games draft. Oh man. I thought you were going to say you didn't actually hit record. And that oh, we God. were going to have to do this all over. I'm like, nope, there would just <laughs> not be a podcast if that happened. <laughs> all right, Mary Kay, you got the number one pick. You know what? I'm going to take the Jets Hall of Fame game. I mean, it kicks off the whole entire season. Uh, Joe Thomas will be honored. Uh, you know, they're going to be playing against, not that he will actually necessarily play in the game, but, you know, you're going against Aaron Rodgers. It's an Elijah Moore game from the trade. Um, but just the whole pageantry of the Hall of Fame game and Joe Thomas, I got to give it the Jets game. Okay, Jets game go number one. I'm going to take the Chiefs finale, which we found out is one o'clock Eastern time, uh, noon Central time. I'm going to take the Chiefs preseason finale. Patrick Mahomes probably not going to play. Deshaun Watson probably not going to play. I don't care. It's in Kansas City. It's at Arrowhead. Uh, we're, we're going Kansas City game number four in this preseason slate. We're actually thrown off a little bit here. Normally it would align perfectly with three games, but Ashley... You get to choose which game gets left out here, which game has to be the undrafted free agent. (laughs) Well, that game is going to have to be, I'm going to go, the the undrafted free agent is going to be the commanders because I'm taking at the Eagles in, I guess, technically week two, but the Browns third preseason game, Um, you know, even though I don't think really anybody's going to play with that game because they will have the joint practices against the Eagles that week. Um, You know, I think more excited to kind of see what those look like than, than the game itself. And I think that we saw it last year, that matchup, kind of a fun matchup. Eagles coming off a Super Bowl um, appearance and all that. So yeah, sorry, commanders. Find me another podcast that does a preseason schedule draft. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't do it. Preseason right. schedule draft is going really low. Might be an undrafted free agent in our draft of the draft. <laughs> yes. Which again, coming up on July 7th, our draft of drafts that we've done on the orange and brown talk podcast uh get subscribed because you won't want to miss it 
uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Just search for Orange or Brown Talk. You will find us there. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube. And one more thing to subscribe to, Football Insider. You can get texts, you can get newsletter every day, and you get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. Just go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page uh, to get info on that and get signed up. Uh, for Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.